0: Today at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, Victor Davis Hanson will join us exclusively on KMJ to talk about a plethora of issues. Whenever Victor joins us, the ratings go right through the roof. Not that they're bad when he's not here, but I look at some of these numbers after we get them, and I say, what am I, chopped liver? Come on here. No, but he's got to be one of the greatest minds in America. There's no doubt. And he's one of our own just, you know, down the road in Selma. So this afternoon, 1 o'clock, Victor Davis Hanson, and we'll be talking about so many things, including the conversation that didn't occur with Special Counsel Robert Hur, And I'll get to that, too, even before Victor. Um, yesterday, during this show, it happened. One dead, 21 wounded, 21 wounded. Shots fired at the Kansas City Chiefs rally and parade while we were on the air yesterday. This was so sad. And it's very sad to know that one in our industry is one of the individuals that was killed, the individual that was killed. A very beloved disc jockey back in that area from KKFI is the dead person. She's a young mother of two. Lisa Lopez Galvan took that fatal bullet. And it's sad. We still don't have a real picture of the shooters unless something's changed in the last hour. Um, But there's a lot to talk about even beyond that. But that was horrible yesterday. That just put the brakes on everything. Robert Herr. And Joe Biden, Joe Biden lashing out at him last week over one particular question that her asked him about, you know, his son and his handling of the classified documents. And Biden didn't remember even within several years when his son Bo died. Now, a parent who loses their child, and I am one, doesn't forget that day, come hell or high water. You don't forget that day in the exact circumstances. I remember the day. I remember the year. I remember when Blake walked in here at 1220 in the afternoon on a Friday and said, call your daughter. Call your daughter right now. And I knew exactly what it was. And I was gone. Before that commercial break was over, I was home quickly. You don't forget that. But now we find out that um, Robert Hearn never asked that question about Bo. No. No, you remember the president responded in that press conference, it was none of his damn business. But it didn't happen that way to according to sources who were very close to the interview. And he never asked the question, Robert Hurd. It was the president who brought it up and then got lost on the year that Bo died. Robert Hurd didn't ask the question. It wasn't there. It wasn't even intended to be a part of the interview. But instead, Biden brought it on himself and confused himself for the answer to his own question. Wow. I mean, there's that's amazing. Joe Biden does have one fan. His name is Vladimir Putin. Putin is on record saying that the Biden presidency is a lot better for Russia than a Trump presidency. Gosh, I wonder why. <laughs> I just have to use my little old imagination and figure that one out. Jeez. And it's all about Donald Trump as he has responded to Vladimir Putin and his comments about Joe Biden. This was days after, according to the media, he attacked NATO, which he really didn't do. We knew what that was all about. But now they're connecting all of the dots into one big ball of negative wax against the former president. Gemini. Microsoft. I knew this was coming. I could. I could. I probably did predict this. This is something I've been so worried about. Microsoft has indicated that they have captured. Not they don't know who they are, but they got some online hackers from China, Russia, and Iran, using Microsoft AI tools for, you know, this artificial intelligence in other areas of espionage. Yeah, I'm telling you, AI is going to become the bane of the 21st century life in America. That combined with nuclear technology and the boasting of its capability to attack Israel, any particular base they wanted to, after European nuclear officials indicated that Iran has the bomb and they're good to go, This will keep it rocking in the 21st century, I'm telling you. Rocking in the wrong way. Russians had their, uh, excuse me, Iran had their pipeline, one of their main pipelines, blown up. They're saying it was a terrorist action. It could have been. They could have done it themselves to bring about, you know, whatever narrative they want to push down our throats in the West. But, or it could have been done by somebody on the other side doing their duty and hitting them with a little espionage to throw them off track in the, you know, area of exporting that oil. Dateline, California. Southern California has um, busted a young teen allegedly plotting to do a massive school shooting. This was a private school in the Inland Empire. This is an 18-year-old who was found to have more than 1,000 pounds of ammunition, seven rifles, two revolvers, an automatic handgun, shotgun, everything he needs to commit a ton of mayhem. And they busted him before it happened. Thank God. Also in SoCal, 17 have been charged in a massive, massive drug trafficking ring. Were these illegals? I believe we could make the case that some of them are. But this is all Mexican-based. The charges are ugly. Ugly. Some of these people could be in prison for the rest of their lives, depending upon prior criminal records. Here in Central California, what's the growing crime de jour? Bee stealing. Stealing hives. Now, we went through years of the beehives collapsing. The colony collapses. That's still going on to a certain extent. But no, this is red-handed thieves walking off with the colonies via their hives. Now, more than an additional 100 hives have been nabbed in a news release from about a week ago. You know, for so long, in this part of the state, it was heavy equipment. It was cattle. Other farm-like commodities, like copper and, 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 and chemicals, frequently stolen from our farms in this part of the world. But now it's bees. Bees. Bees, the biggest growing crime in the rural area. Bees. Man. Yesterday, we talked extensively with a member of the solar industry, one of the owners of Planet Solar, about the heavy pricing for energy in California. And mostly SoCal Edison and PG&E and the rates. You ain't seen nothing yet. They're not done with these rates. They're not done. And we've also learned, too, that we have surpassed Hawaii for having the highest rates in the United States of America. Unbelievable. But no, no, that's actually quite believable, isn't it? Right? Right. So that was a big one. Well, there's more to follow up on today in the way of energy and rates. (laughs) Lucky you. And if you missed that, it's probably something you need to check out on the podcast, kmjnow.com. Very enlightening about where PG&E rates are going to go locally and about how cellular, excuse me, solar is still... Even though a lot of the incentives have been taken away, when you look at the pricing of your current PG&E bill and the monthly stroke for your solar system, it's much less. In my case, and I can prove it, and I say that because I know somebody's going to challenge me and I'm going to throw the bills up on uh, my Facebook page. The payment on this new system that's going up at my place is 50 to 75% less than my current PG&E payments monthly. Less. So why wouldn't I have solar? Huh? Speaking of energy and rates, there's a rural grocery store in a little town called Bieber or Biber, like Justin. It's about 250 miles north of Sacramento. It's the only grocery store in about a 60-mile radius, kind of in the sticks, if you know what I mean. And I say that with great affection. Well, 65% of their profit went to pay the energy bill to PG&E last year. 65%. It's gone up so much they may have to close this store. They don't want to go anywhere. They realize they're the only, the only show in town for a 60-mile radius, and people need them. It's a little grocery store, but they may have to close it up because they can't afford their energy rates. And again, I make the case for solar for the grocery store in Bieber, California, B-E-I-B-E-R. Bieber or Biber? Justin City, if you want to get funny about it. Um, have you heard about BART surfing? B-A-R-T, BART surfing. BART surfing is becoming kind of a thing here in California. BART surfing, two kids trying to surf the BART, Bay Area Rapid Transit, riding on the tops, of the tops of the fast-moving trains, and they fell to their deaths. They're gone. Real smart. Tim Scott joining Trump on the campaign trail, and the rumors of VP Choice has been made, are flying, I told you from day one, it was going to be him because they have a very close re- relationship. He's a Southerner. He's black. He's an intelligent, articulate guy. So I'm putting him back in the number one category after I took him out for a while because I was told something au contraire that I can't share with you. But you can kind of figure out where, it, where I got it. But it, it looks like it looks like, you know, that particular senator is back in the driver's seat again if he wants the VP job. We'll find out in due time. And, you know, we won't have long to wait. I still think Trump, because of his advancing numbers and now these polls that are indicating he's going to be the first Republican to win the popular vote in 20 years. So he'll win electoral and popular, which is the way to scoop it. That's called a mandate. That's called a mandate. Uh, He'll probably announce his VP choice before the nominating convention. That's just me. I don't know anything different about that. I just think it might be a factor. And why not? Why not? Again, Victor Davis Hanson at 1 o'clock today on KMJ. KMJnow.com, wherever you stream. Phone numbers for the show du jour. 490-5858 and 800 Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen.
1: Every week, Michael Rosenbaum is getting deep with someone new on the Inside of You podcast. Let's get inside of Shelly Hennick. So, Obliterated like, on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I had the best time. That's it was great. challenging, but it was like the showrunners. that doesn't runners. always happen. Everybody's trying to make a show, and you're this not. This was a it's dream. It's no fun. Genuinely, That's and if it beautiful. wasn't, I would just keep my mouth shut and talk about something else. Yeah, like you're it like, was. Hey, it was fine because I've is. done that. I've asked people, and they're like, you know. Yeah. Inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum, wherever you listen.
0: Uh, what did I just ask myself? And what was the answer? That's our president, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Joe Biden lashed out at Robert Hur last week. <laughs> this is, Robert Herr is a Republican. Yeah, a Republican who didn't recommend charges. You should be kissing his you-know-what. He lashed out at Mr. Hur. Over one particular line, I guess I'll call it in the special counsel's report, on his handling of the classified documents, he willfully had them. He willfully showed them around. But he's just, a, you know, an old man that has some memory problems. It's well intended. Biden didn't remember even within even several years of when his son died. And like I explained, and many of you know, unfortunately, you never forget the moment that your child dies. It's just an unnatural thing. It's not supposed to happen. You are supposed to go before they do. And that's what I wrestled with for a couple of years. Why not me, God? I think every parent has done that. Why not me? Anyway, you remember the the press conference that night. How dare he raise that? Biden telling reporters in that impromptu White House get-together, which should have never happened because, frankly, the president really sucks on his feet at night. It's bad. Frankly, when I was asked the question, I thought to myself, that wasn't any of his damn business. Ben Hur never asked the question, though. It's out there. And who who said that? Not 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 Ben Hur. Robert Hur. I'm thinking of the biblical character with the chariots, Ben Hur. Ooh, I think I'll watch that movie this weekend. The Charlton Heston version, that's the best one. Um Ben Hur. <laughs> Easy mistake to make. Richard Hur. Robert Hur. Damn it. Uh, He didn't ask the question. And you would think Robert Herr himself would say, hey, that didn't come from me. You know, we could play tit for tat because he's a Republican and Joe's a Democrat. No, he didn't do that. He didn't do that. It was two other people, both Democrats, familiar with the five-hour interview over two days in October. It was the president, not her, on the team, who first introduced the Bo Biden death date question. You know, Biden's raised the son's death a number of times. Um, and he was asked it to, to workflow at a Virginia rental home from 2016 to 2018. Every time he was given a speech in that area, it would come up. Ghostwriters would help him write a memoir about losing Bo to brain cancer in 2015. Investigators had a 2017 recording showing Biden had the ghostwriter uh, found all kinds of classified stuff in his home. And that's how that all came about. Yeah. And Biden began to try to recall that period by discussing what was happening in his life. And it was that point of the interview that he appeared to be very confused about when Bo died. Now, these are the sources who were familiar with the interview and not Robert Herr, not Ben Herr. Anyway, Biden got the date, May the 30th, correct, but was way off on the year. Way off. So, Herr's, you know, 345-page report, absolved Biden of any criminal wrongdoing while pointing to evidence that he took home highly classified material and let people leaf through it. Even though Biden was found to have disclosed classified information to that ghostwriter on three to five occasions, the prosecutors concluded that they could not prove the president knew they were classified at the time. And that may have been because of memory problems. So, I mean, he got off the hook because of his memory. So there's this fiery criticism over the report from Biden supporters, all two of them, though it's focused on hers characterization of the president's memory. And they say that the report was filled with gratuitous details about Biden's memory, including when the, the president misremembered the year that Bo died. And they have also seized on Biden's statement that the special counsel asked him about that death date for Bo Biden, and he did not. He did not. Why in the hell are you asking that question? Former AG Eric Holder, remember that name? A Democrat on MSNBC Monday, suggesting that Herb was a rube. I love that, rube. Herb was a rube. Perhaps, you know, somebody who shaded what he put in the report. What does that have to do with the retention of classified documents? First Lady Jill Biden questioned it in the fundraising letter, whether her was using our son's death to score political points but he didn't first lady madam first lady it was your husband who did sources familiar with biden's view of the interview say that her induced the president to bring up his son by asking a series of personal questions related to beau that's all fair they included questions about biden's memoir called promise me dad in which he writes about his son's battle with cancer and his death in 2015 her also asked biden about the work for the, the Biden Cancer Institute, founded in Beau's memory. Those sources didn't dispute that it was Biden, not her, who first mentioned a date for Beau's death. But they also said, you know, that Biden felt betrayed by the comments in her report about his memory and mental acuity. And And during the interviews, her asked him to recall uh, events in, in several years past, as best as he could, and Biden agreed to speak freely and, freely and expansively rather than, you know, in the clipped and careful manner of, you know, typical of when he's on the cards. So, exactly, to get to the point here, what Biden said about his son's death and other issues, ultimately, it will become probably public in the near future. It was a two-day interview. There was an audio recording of it. It was transcribed. And the congressional committees are expected to push for its release. And they'll get it. There's no reason why it needs to be held back. So the Justice Department, and the special counsel's office, and the White House declined to comment, you know, for this particular story. The latest about Robert Herr and his talk with Joe Biden. Two people who know her extremely well said that, you know, he set out to write a balanced report. And the narrative would explain why, despite... Significant evidence, he had concluded that no criminal charges would be warranted for Biden. Over you know the, the course of a year-long investigation, Hur's team examined seven million documents and spoke with 147 witnesses, according to the report. Now, speculation: if Biden did not have these memory problems, would her have said he probably needs to be charged? There are off-the-record reports that he has said that privately to friends and family. If he were in better shape mentally, we would have proceeded. He would have asked the AG to do it. Whether Merrick Garland would have done it or not, who knows. And associates of her say that the claim that the special counsel quizzed the president impromptu about his son's death from cancer was an effort to take the focus off the special counsel's findings regarding how Biden handled classified documents in his struggle to recall certain facts. Hmm. So the line of questioning about the memoir was directly relevant, I think, to the central issue of the investigation. The people familiar with the interview said. Hearst even learned that Biden, you know, was recorded in a 2017 telling of the ghost, telling to the ghostwriter that he had found all of these classified documents downstairs. That's a quote at the Virginia rental home where the, the two were working on a book. In the interview, Biden told her that he didn't remember saying anything in 2017 that he'd found classified documents in his home. Yet that's on the record with the ghostwriter. Her investigation determined the documents that Biden mentioned in 2017 were never turned over to the FBI. In fact, they were likely the same ones found in Biden's Delaware garage in 2022. Almost sure of that. So much, you know, for Joe Biden... And his handling of all this, when you compare it to Donald Trump, who was in negotiation with the National Archives to pick up the documents he had, we're talking about two different cases here that are night and day, and Trump should absolutely be let off the hook. For the reasons stated earlier about, you know, Biden's handling of the documents. But her stated those memory lapses were one of the reasons he concluded it would be difficult to convince a jury to convict Biden of intentionally mishandling classified documents. That only makes sense, all the sense in the world, when you've got a jury making the decision. Now, Attorney General Merrick Garland has also been criticized by Democrats for releasing the full unredacted version of the report. Oh, too bad, so sad. Special counsel rules require them to write confidential reports to the Attorney General detailing and explaining their decisions on whether to file criminal charges in a case, and in an effort to be transparent. Garland has pledged to make all special counsel reports public consistent with the Justice Department's track record of releasing most, not all, most special counsel reports since the office came into being in 1999. So where is this all going to go? Um, What about somebody like Bill Barr, who was AG for Trump? Where does he come down on all this? You'll find out when we come back from a very quick one-up break here at the bottom of the hour. I'll remind you, Victor Davis Hanson at 1 o'clock here on KMJ. KMJnow.com or wherever you stream. Back at you. KMJ. 490-5858. 776 58. -58. Spit it out. It's my Billy Idol voice. I'm still laughing at Ben-Hur. Judah (laughs) Ben-Hur. No, wrong character. So, how about Judah Bill Barr? (laughs) Anybody get that? Um, You know, the old AG under Donald Trump, Bill Barr. He was harshly criticized initially by releasing his own two-page summary of the special counsel Robert Mueller's Trump-Russia report in 2018. Several weeks later, he released the full document. And that's why we pretty much know this full document is on the way with her and Biden. People familiar with the matter say Garland first saw Hers report on about February 5, three days before it's released. You know, had the attorney general ordered any changes, he would have had to disclose those to Congress as required by special counsel regulations. And in a letter to Congress, when he, you know, released the report, Garland said that he took no action to block any investigative steps by her because nothing the special counsel did was so inappropriate or unwarranted under the established departmental practices and it shouldn't be pursued. There's just nothing there. Asked whether Garland had confidence in Biden's fitness for office, a DOJ spokeswoman said, of course. But we haven't heard from him on that. So if Garland, who selected her, who's a longtime Republican and former federal prosecutors, as Biden's special counsel, uh, you know, after graduating from Harvard University and the Stanford Law School, Her held multiple positions in the Justice Department, including serving as counsel to Chris Ray, now the director of the FBI. And this is when Ray was in charge of the department's criminal division. Now, I'm getting into the weeds here a little bit, but I'm just trying to establish Robert Herr's character and all of that. During the Trump administration, Herr was a top advisor to the then Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein. Remember that name? Who was overseeing Mueller's Trump-Russia investigation, and Rosenstein said her is neither an ardent Trump supporter nor a partisan activist. Rob just plays it straight down the road, says Rosenstein in an interview. I think he wrote that report, what is deb- what he believes to be the relevant facts uh, in in the course of all of the t- talks for two days, and he used that to evaluate whether there should be charges or not. So there, I mean, there's pretty much the whole story. Biden, you know, was not asked that question by Robert Herr, nor was he asked the question by Ben Hur. So it it just didn't happen. And I give Robert Herr full credit for not saying, hey, that, that didn't happen that way. And looking like some kind of partisan hack himself trying to ambush the president. He just left it alone, figuring the truth is either come out or it is what it is. And does it really make any difference? whether he asked it or Trump, uh, Trump or Biden himself brought it up. He still got confused over both death date, the year. It's sad. Again, I mean, it's it's becoming sad how um, mentally out of it, if I can say that, and I mean it politely, the current president is. I've heard a couple of Republicans and Democrats on TV lately, you know, expressing their fear that his, you know, Cognitive problems are going to cause problems for the United States. Security problems, we may be in a little bit of danger. The shootings yesterday in Kansas City at the Chiefs' Super Bowl celebration. Man, had to happen, right? I mean, come on. A very beloved radio disc jockey, diehard Kansas Chief fan. This was the lady that was killed. The one death was this person as the shots rang out and marred the NFL team's victory celebrations. And that ended with, you know, 21, 22 others injured. So we're talking about a lady who worked for KKFI. Her name was Lisa Lopez Galvan, and she was taken by this senseless act. She had children. And it's it's just sad. I mean, I keep using this word over and over again. It was Valentine's Day. This was a big victory for the home team in KC. You know, they would earned all of this, this moment to relax and be friendly with one another and support something, you know, other than something political. Um, this was a great, great victory for that area and those people, and they deserved a little celebrating. And it's a bloody shame this happened the way that it did. But this woman, a disc jockey, she was known as Lisa G on the air, She had a program called, a very popular program in Kansas City called The Taste of Tejano, which obviously featured Hispanic music. And she's no longer with us. This is the one person who was killed. She's in her mid-40s. She lived with her husband and two children in a suburb of Shawnee. And her personal Facebook page includes multiple posts and images supporting the Chiefs, who won the Super Bowl, their second one on Sunday, consecutive, Other victims in the shooting have not been named, but they're all alive. Uh, We thought in the beginning there were no children that were shot. Wrong. Eleven were children. And they're all expected to recover. They're all expected to recover. Thank God. But who were these people? We don't really know that much more about them yet. Don't know. I mean, the first thing that I thought yesterday, and I was very careful with my words, you know, was this an act of terrorism? I mean, it would just fit like a glove. Big American celebration for a big American sports time on a big American day to celebrate, you know, love for one another, significance other, Valentine's Day. It just would make sense if indeed this were an act of terrorism. But, you know, we can't jump to that conclusion yet. Nothing out there that I know of, like I say, unless things have changed in the last hour. Phone calls. Uh, Dan, you're on KMJ. What's up?
1: Hey, hey, Ray. Uh, great show as usual. Yeah, I wanted to call in about this uh, very sad shooting that took place in Kansas City. You know, we were just talking about the Super Bowl a few days ago. And, you know, I know Kansas City a little bit, but um, I think what's going to come out, I'm not trying to jump to conclusions, but I've heard a little bit of this. That this was a dispute between little thugs. And, could be, yeah, could be. Uh, and sadly, Kansas City does have a problem with gangs like most of our major cities do. And it kind of mars the city because it's a great city. A lot of cool things to see other than just the chiefs and, and the royals. But um, that's why I go there. But, um, you know, a, President Trump started a program in Kansas City called Operation Legend. I don't know if you remember or not. No, little I don't. Way, a little, I don't. Yeah, a little, he started it in 2020, early 2020, I believe was the year he started it. And it a little boy named Legend Trafilio, I think it was his last name. I might be pronouncing his last name wrong, but a little three-year-old boy named Legend was shot in a drive-by. He, of course, he wasn't the target, but he was he was killed. And of course, the the AG there in, in Missouri is real um, conservative, and he got the president to come there and start a program called Operation Legend. Hmm named after the little boy to crack down on on street thugs and he he took that program into like st louis chicago and i think even los angeles and they they arrested about six thousand people overall took a bunch of guns off the street and um, uh, as soon as joe biden came into office and you can anybody can look this up in 20 t- january 2021 he ended the program i think bill barr had left the uh, D. O. J. by then, Merrick Garland was probably in there and they made this decision to stop this program and they probably went after the January sixth rioters instead. Now I'm not saying that the program was still in place that this wouldn't have happened, but the target was these street gangs. You know, and people right now, of course, people are saying, Well, why doesn't somebody do something instead of just, you know, offering up prayers? And and we do need prayer for our country because these kids, they just shoot indiscriminately. And Trump was trying to do something about the street gang violence. And, of course, that was ended under under Biden that can't remember anything. And, um, you know, it's just like the shooting that took place now. It may have been two years ago in Goshen where that little baby was shot by some three street thugs right in the city of Goshen near Visalia. And these people, they don't care who they shoot at, and they shoot into the crowd at whoever they were um, – Trying to shoot, you know, whoever they were having an argument with, and that that woman, the DJ, tragically was shot dead, and other people, other innocent bystanders, were killed. But you know, this is going to happen when you have a million people and you have these thugs show up there. But what I'm mad about is that Joe Biden ended that program, Operation Legend, that actually started in Kansas City because of that little boy's death. So I mean, unfortunately, this is what we're faced with in our country. You know, this this kind of stuff happens. Um, and we had someone that was trying to get a control of these street gangs, and now we've multiplied it by bringing in all all these illegal immigrants, and they're committing mm-hmm. crimes, and they're going to cause more street gang shootings. But anyway, that was just my take on that, and sadly that, that this, yeah. this has happened in Kansas City. Thank you, Dan. Great. I'm, I'm, a great
0: day. I'm glad you updated me on that law. I barely remember it. Barely remember it. But it makes sense. It was something on the books by Donald Trump, and this president got rid of it. I mean, he set out to undo everything that Donald Trump had done, especially in that first week. That first week was very painful with the loss of the pipeline and so many other things. All right. This is KMJ, kmjnow.com, wherever you stream. Phone numbers, if you'd like to get in and have a word or two about any of this. Uh, 490-5858 and 800-776-5858. It's going to be good in the 1 o'clock hour. Hopefully it's going to be good from now until 1-2, but we'll see. Victor Davis Hansen joins us at 1 today on KMJ. Today's daily buzz question at com. The CDC says it's time to move on and is considering loosening all COVID guidelines. You say it's about time. You say, ah, well, it's the right time. Or you say, dude, it's way too late. <laughs> you don't have to put the dude in there. I just did. Uh, but let us know at kmjnow.com. Kind of anxious to see where you fall on that one. I think I know. I mean, come on. <laughs> it's definitely too late. Should have done this long ago. But that's just my humble little old opinion. right? Vladimir Putin seems to be a fan of Joe Biden. Now, we talked about the economic reasons that the Trump and Biden presidency is going to be widely uh, debated by the Kremlin and Vladimir Putin. And he said it. I mean, he made it very public. Putin said a Biden presidency is going to be much better for Russia than Donald Trump. He told a pro-Kremlin journalist whose name is Pavel Zorobin in an on-camera interview that was on Wednesday, yesterday. And he asked Zerubin if, you know, about the upcoming U.S. presidential elections. It was asked by Zerubin. He wasn't, Putin didn't ask him. So Putin and Biden, Putin said that Biden would be a much better deal for Russia because he's a more experienced person. He's predictable. He's a politician of an old formation. Yeah, you think? Like a dinosaur era. So he's more predictable. I don't know how to take that one. You know, he is predictably bad. Maybe that's why he's better for Russia. However, he added that Russia would work with any leader in the U.S. to, to gain the trust of the American people that he admits has been lost. Well, that's a step in the right direction, sort of, kind of. Um, he, He's got a tradition of, you know, pontificating on U.S. presidential politics. He's been doing this for a long time, Vladimir Putin. In late 2015, the Kremlin leader went out of his way to praise Donald Trump as a bright and talented person without any doubt and cast Trump as the front-runner for the election ahead of the Republican National Committee and the convention, and obviously he won and he won. But the Russian president also did a little concealment of his dislike for the Democratic presidential nominee Hillary Clinton. Putin would have gone deny that Russia's interference in the 2016 election, he said it didn't happen, he gloated in an interview about 2016, you know, and and the hack of the DNC committee which did happen saying there's nothing false about it, every single grain of it is true. Oh, okay. And the Democratic leadership has admitted it. His words, not mine. How about them apples? So, US President Joe Biden has not minced any words about Putin since the full-scale invasion of Ukraine, calling, you know, Russia the leader, you know, of of a war. A war full of crimes and war criminals. Putin himself is a war criminal, according to Biden. Something the Kremlin spokesperson, uh, Dmitry Peskov, described as absolutely unacceptable and inexcusable. Sorry. So, Russia's leader, Putin, says the comments come in the wake of Trump telling a campaign rally that he would encourage Russia to do whatever they want to do to any NATO member country that doesn't meet its spending guidelines. Something NATO Chief Jan Stolberg. Has said put American and European soldiers at increased risk. Trump's pledge if delivered. Would, would, would overturn the collective defense clause at the heart of the alliance. That Putin has long criticized NATO and opposes its expansion. Uh, I beg to differ. Trump's pledge would not do that. Because the pledge it doesn't have anything to do with you know overturning the collective defense. It has to do with them paying their dues, paying their freight. In his interview, um, the Russian president has regretted that he didn't start active actions in Ukraine earlier, hmm, in February 2022, claiming that the West leaders had lied to Russia about not expanding NATO to the east. Yeah, right. We were and we are concerned about the possibility of Ukraine being drawn into NATO since that threatens our security, says Putin. Well, he's damn straight about that. You know, they want to join NATO, and I think they very well should for their own protection. And if they get out of this in one piece, I'm sure they will join NATO. Now, recently he was interviewed by you-know-who, Tucker Carlson, right? And he said he didn't really fully enjoy that encounter with Tucker. But he did it. Many of you have seen and heard it. I believe that the position of the current administration is extremely harmful and erroneous, Putin said in a reference to Russia's war with Ukraine. The administration in Ukraine is what he's talking about. According to Putin, the war could have been over a year and a half ago. His segments of a meeting during Istanbul uh, and some promises made there in March of 2022 were kept, whatever those promises are. He didn't elaborate. He didn't specify on what agreements he was referring to. But he has, in the past, referred to a series of bilateral talks that took place between Russia and Ukraine in the weeks after the full-scale invasion of Ukraine, suggesting a deal was in place. Nobody else made that suggestion. Not even the Turks that were involved in that meeting made that suggestion. This is just coming from Putin. The talks eventually faltered, I guess. they just didn't happen. They flattened out, didn't go anywhere. And the Ukrainian public opinion hardened against Any compromise with Russia after, you know, the uncovering of mass killings of civilians by Russian forces in the town of Bucha and other liberated areas of Ukraine, so-called liberated areas, Russian liberation. Yeah, sure, right. The Minsk agreements called for the removal of heavy artillery, artillery, excuse me, artillery and weaponry from uh, Ukraine's uh, eastern Donbass region. The constitutional reform in Ukraine, as well as the restoration of the Ukrainian control of its state leaders, amongst other things. Now, remember, they went and they liberated Donbass. They basically made it a Russian possession, whether they wanted to be or not. But there are there are loyal Russians there, Ukrainians loyal to Russia, and to Russians who've migrated in Donbass. So the order in which the measures would be implemented were never fixed. Lower-level fighting continues. This so-called line of the, the, the contact between Ukrainian forces and Russian-backed separatists. You know, that remained largely stable between 2015 and 2022. But the U.S. and its allies only ramped up its military support to Ukraine significantly on the eve of that 2022 invasion. I mean, the Russians brought that on. They moved those forces into Ukrainian's borders and the rest you know. And it's still not over and he thought he'd get it over in nine weeks. Yeah, sure, nine hours in the beginning, he thought. This is KMJ, hour number two, right around the bend.